You put your all into delivering quality and value on time. And when your customer doesn't pay, it doesn't just hurt your feelings. It hurts your business. At MetCredit, we get it. We collect overdue receivables fast and treat your customers with respect. Go to MetCredit.com to get started. MetCredit, we get it. This is Overdue Advice, the podcast about how and why debt collection works for your business. Brought to you by MetCredit. Everybody pay up. Welcome to Overdue Advice. My name is Bryn Griffiths. Today we're talking with Martin Hunter, who's the host of the very popular podcast, What CEOs Talk About. On this episode, we'll be talking about finance, business cash flow, AR, and strategies to better business. Hey, Martin, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How you doing? Fine, thank you. Hey, listen, the topic today is what keeps CEOs up at night. I'm guessing right now there's an awful lot. <laughs> Kids, wife, spouse. Like <laughs> Other than that, yes, you're right. Uh, I think that the, yeah, it, the title of the show really, as, as we look at CEOs today, now, I just want to clarify the term CEO. There's a lot of new generation that really call themselves CEOs, but they're really chief everything officers, right? And when I want to really classify, uh, you know, you can be a startup, you can be in the small business, you can be the president, but CEO, we want to talk about there's volume behind the person when you actually have the title of chief executive officer, right? And what keeps those people up at night is when you break down the title, it means that chief, chief, chief of anything, chief of I'm Scottish. So if you ever got the chieftain, then you're, you know, you're, you're the person that people are looking up to, to make decisions, right? So that there's a lot of, there's a lot of weight that goes to, um, making decisions. Number two is executive, meaning what does executive come from when you look at the Latin word exec to act on, right? So you have to make decisions that people need to act on, right? And the last one is officer. And a lot of people forget that last term officers that your name is on that binding document that you are responsible for that organization. And it covers kind of all three aspects of a business, which is, you know, the people side, the operational side and the economics. And I think that that is a key thing that a lot of people struggle with or CEOs is what keeps them up at night is the connection of those, all, all three of those things that are in their title. You know, it's three little letters, but when you take ownership of it, right? Cause like I said before, some people give themselves the title of CEO, they're barely making a million dollars. They've got, they've got maybe two employees and one of them is an executive assistant that's helping them to do everything. So I just want to make sure that we clarify that, that conversation. Tell everybody what you do, and then we'll kind of move into the Met credit stuff and, and all that, but tell everybody exactly how you got started in doing what you're doing. So I am the managing partner of a company called Urgio. Urgio comes from the Latin word to urge, to move on, to incite feeling, to encourage action. Um, when I left the military, I went into security and then from security to safety, safety to operations. I went up the ranks in very um, industrious where there was high risk and, and uh, so mining, oil and gas, 
transportation, uh, foods, manufacturing, trades. So there was very hands-on stuff. And I came, it came apparent to me that a lot of people did not follow process. They were looking at hard at results, but they were forgetting that the process, the journey is what takes you there. Right. And so I got caught up in operations, operational excellence. And then people were leaning into me and my team to say, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm a good visionary. I'm a good CEO, but I, I, I'm stagnant. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to get there to the next level. And that's what we do. We really, we're fine tuned in trade services and manufacturing where we help organizations that are stagnant and or CEOs that don't know what the next journey is, right? They're looking to sell. They might not be big enough to sell by themselves. We roll them up into bigger consortiums and then present the opportunity to others. So we're really there to help them create awareness around who they are, what's the next step, and really focus on helping them get to the next step. Maybe they're kid doesn't want to run the business. They've got a great team, but what do I do? I don't necessarily want to be embedded in that. We want to liberate their time and therefore, so they can take down that, that next journey. So that's what we really focus on. Uh, most of our business is in continental U S although, uh, we have, you know, different, uh, organizations around the world, but that's really the, the mainstream is really in continental U.S. It's one thing to create a business and to generate sales. It's another thing to collect. And I'm hey. sure that, I'm sure you've heard this before when people are looking at uh, account receivables and, and that's one more thing that CEOs and an entire business has got to be concerned with. Correct. AR is it, people tend to forget that, when your AR has meet or exceeded the KPI that you've set, you know, the line in the sand, you say, you know, I don't want to go over, I'll pick something, $50,000 of accounts receivable, right? Yeah. They forget that you need to get in front of that. Like anything, you know, you've got leading and lagging indicators. And I think the thing about accounts receivable, right, is about getting in front of it, regardless of what you do. And I'll, I'll speak from exa- from, from example, I'm in front of it. I trust I've got a contract and all of a sudden I trust a little bit too far. Oh, they'll pay. Oh, they'll pay. Oh, they'll pay. And then all of a sudden you're like, you didn't pay. Yeah. You haven't paid. Let's have the conversation about not having paid. And I think the beauty of, I tend to always look at operational efficiency. So if I, let's say me, the managing partner is having to chase accounts receivable, I'm not doing my job. Right. Right. If, if I, if I'm, if I've got an accounts receivable department, that's a cost. So how do I balance that? And I think one of the things that we, we always encourage, um, companies that we work that hire us and that we manage and, and we get, you know, put into leadership roles of organizations that say, hey, listen, I'll let you do it. We always outsource the accounts receivable because it is a speciality in an area that we are not specialized in, right? So some of the larger corporations, they have their accounts receivable, you know, company and all that good stuff. And that's great. But you're, you're, a, you're a huge corporation. I think the people that we're talking to now are kind of in that middle. They're not startups anymore. They are in a good financial position. They've got 10, 15 years of experience. They're making decent cash. They've got good cash flow. 
but they've got this nagging thing that just keeps them up at night and goes, how do I bring down, I don't know, you know, my accounts receivable by 10%, by this percent, by that percent. When you outsource it, what you do is you focus both on growth and profitability and really work on the systems internally to not get you there. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. I can just kind of put this into a layman's term. I can do a lot of stuff around my house to make it mm-hmm. a better place. But if it's electrical, I hire a professional to handle it. If it's plumbing and water's involved, I'm getting a plumber. I'm not going to do it. And now we're seeing more and more companies do the smart thing, and they they are latching on to companies that know how to uh, how how to go after the AR. Are you finding that? Absolutely. I mean, I I should no. So let me let me rephrase that. Okay. Too many people are not thinking about it that should be thinking. Oh, I about gotcha. It. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Too many people are going. Hey, hey Jim. You know, hey, you haven't you haven't paid me that minute that you've lost because it's your, that minute that you've invested to calling Jim to get your money, you're not going to get there. I think what the, there's a lot of psychology. So I'm all about behavioral based leadership, behavioral based safety, behavioral based operation. What are key behaviors and processes that you have to put in place to be the best at what you need to be right? So when you're fine tuning athletes, you're fine tuning the behavior, but also the process that they're utilizing within the rules of the game. The same thing should be applied to every craft. And I think collections is a craft. You have to be an artist to be able to talk to somebody who is probably, and I'll generalize, but nine times out of 10, people don't pay you out of, not because they're ill will, is because they have to make a choice. Right. They're in, they're in a position, a financial position that they go, who do I pay? And then they'll pick an order of priority, right? They'll say, well, who's, who gives me, who do I have to pay to get the, the, the resources, you know, the logistics to move my product, to make more money. Right. And they'll, they'll put that in order and they'll get you a call and say, yeah, next week, next week, next week. And I think the, People, if I think of collections for, you know, individuals, I think of, you know, telecom communities or companies as well and services that go, hey, listen, you haven't paid your bill in three months. What's going on? And I think what the accounts receivable or the collections company do well, well, the ones that I know that do well, um, they are behavioral based and where the agent is kind, compassionate, listening is not an idiot say, Hey, Jim, you owe us $15,000. I'm going to come over and break your leg. That doesn't work. It's, Hey, how do I get you to get in a position? Cause paying your bills feels good. Everybody oh, yeah. thinks uh, when I, when I pay my taxes, when I've made enough money within my company to pay taxes, I was like, damn, I made this much to pay this much. Now, do I like to pay taxes? No. <laughs> right. Let's make that perfectly clear. <laughs> uh, but do I like to have services? Do I understand the necessity of paying taxes? I do. I do. I, I, we're joking around. That taxes are important. Uh, but same thing with paying your, having a good relationship with your friends. When you think of any friend that you've had when you go out, if you're the one paying the bill all the time, no matter how much you have money and they don't, at a certain point, you want them to say, Hey, listen, I don't care if we go for a hot dog and a French fry. How about you treat me this time? And so I I think that to bring it back to what you're saying is having 
delegating those key behaviors and systems to the craftsman is key in accounts receivable and collections. The single biggest cause of bad debt write-offs is procrastination. With every day you wait, the chances of ever getting paid go down. At MetCredit, we get it. We collect business receivables fast. And if we don't succeed, you don't pay. Go to MetCredit.com and stop waiting for money you deserve. MetCredit, we get it. No sense chasing your tail. And a CEO is looking to, to make it the most streamlined company or organization that, that they can think of. And to me, if that's not something you specialize in, that's you, you, there are people that can do that. Absolutely. And, you know, if we want to keep with the, th- the theme of keeping things, you know, what's keeping up you at night, make a list of things they're keeping up at night. And if, if it's the AR, AR, then give it to somebody else. Right. It's the, the number one rule of leadership is really delegate. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to delegate, delegate diligently. And I think if you've got a good relationship with the collection agency, it's like any other department, either they're internalized or they're external. If you've got a good relationship with your account manager, there's or build that good relationship with the account manager. No surprises. Now, CEOs have to think of everything, but is this an area that you think they think of right up at the top of the list or close to the top of the list? You've got to, oh, it's one thing to generate the revenue. It's another thing to go get it. It's, it, it's funny how a good CEO will be a well-balanced CEO. And if, and what I mean by that is you can sell the widget. And if you can sell the widget, and but you can't build the widget, then you've got yourself too much sales you can't execute. If you can sell the widget and you can build build the widget, but your economics are wrong because you can't collect or you're overpriced, or you're overpriced and whoever you're so fine-tuned on your break-even that any money that doesn't come in is, you know, is worth two dollars, if you know what I mean, right? It yeah. might be a dollar that a dollar, you know. On, on paper, but it's worth $2 because I can take that dollar and re-inject it into the business. That's worth a lot more. So having a good mind on economics doesn't mean that you put money first. It's just when you're driving, you are, you are considering the amount of fuel you have in your vehicle to go the distance. That's all it is. Just glance down. Am I, where's my fuel? Where can I get to, you know, are the kids whining and complaining. Does my spouse have to go to the washroom? All these things that are going through your head. If you know, you've got enough gas in the tank and you don't have to say, Oh, when's the next gas station? When's the next gas station? That, that worry. Yeah. Uh, is it, 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 like you said, it keeps you up at night, right? People also so go through it, that it is on top then. Oh yeah. And, and people go through that. What, where's the next gas station? Where's the next gas station in, in just a regular life where you don't know how you're going to pay your next bill, but you find a way you're going to pay mm-hmm. your next bill and you find a way. But things have, it's been crazy this last three years. And now there's all this recession talk, but we had to get through the pandemic. But I I guess the reality of being a CEO right now is that you have to find a way to pivot quickly. It, it, It is brand value is key. So if you understand, so let me... Let me explain what operational excellence is. It Operational excellence is a mindset. It is how everybody within an organization, pardon me, within an organization sees, delivers, and improves the value to a customer. That's operational excellence. So meaning that you can do all of that for the customer 
if you don't have good qualifiers in your process that you're not challenging the, the status quo, which is very Kaizen, very Japanese, just because you're challenging the status quo, doesn't mean that you're challenging the methodology or the mindset or the values. You're just saying, are we doing the right thing at the right time for this specific situation? You're just testing the process, right? And we get so caught up in, oh, we need to be fixed. We need to dig our heels. We need to do this. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, shit, nobody's paying us. Yeah. Oh. So if you stay flexible, why are they not paying you? Are they paying you because they see less value to the absolutely? So it, they don't see value in the service that you're providing. Hence, that's why they're not paying you. So how do you get upfront nimble to make sure that everybody sees value? So when collection time comes, you're the first one on the list, right? Yeah. Economic impact of the pandemic. You talk to CEOs all the time, I'm guessing. So you, you're you hearing it from, from those people. How, how are they managing over these last couple of years as we move into another challenging time? The, um, a lot of people are, are realizing that no matter how smart you think you are, there's a lot more in collaboration and community than there is in a fixed mindset. So having a flexible mindset, you know, there's, there's a good example of a, a guy back in 2008 where his company, he's like, okay, so the first, you know, big recession in 2008 hit and he said, Hey, listen, if we keep on the same path. So he was with executive team and they were talking and he says, I need to talk to everybody. I don't feel comfortable. And I think there's like 50, 60 something employees within the organization. He sat them down and says, Hey, listen, I don't know what to do. What are we going to do next? Right. Right. And they agreed that everybody should take a leave of absence, leave without pay. So CEO took, I think four months without pay executive took a month without pay and then it went down so that the people at the front edge of the organization, the people who were actually delivering the service who are business enabling had as much time as possible. And sometimes even the executive would say, Hey, listen, I took a month off, but I think I'm going to take another month off and donated their time back to people. And they came back so strong and everybody had accounts receivable issues, but guess what? Because they stayed on top of it, they were able to do the accounts receivable in the methodology that provided consistent income through the relationship that they had built. Not everybody could pay them, but they said, hey, listen, how do we keep on, how do we keep on ensuring that we have a good relationship through these tough times that we go through? And they said, hey, listen, can I give you a dollar instead of $2 every week? Sure. You see that collaboration, that right. mindset, that bringing in employees who we think we should tell them what to do. Yeah, they're looking for a direction, but they're not looking for a process how to get there. And often at times, same thing, bringing in what you think is in collections you should be doing. Talk to a craftsman, talk to MedCredit as we're talking around and say, hey, listen, what should I be doing? And, and you might be very surprised at... <laughs> the answer that you get curiosity Einstein said I, I I have no special gift at the exception of being ultimately extremely curious right and I think that is when you say hey how you doing be actually curious about how somebody is doing and and, and apply that 
as a CEO to everything you do, including collections. Talk to your clients. Talk to, why are you not seeing value? Why are you not putting me first on the list? I'm not saying that in regards to, you know, I own, I deserve in a position of entitlement. I was like, I don't understand why you're not seeing my services as valuable to you. I've survived 35 years, and I, I underline the word survive. I've survived 35 years in the media business because of one word, reinvention. You have to keep finding new ways to basically stay, I guess, relevant and to, to be active and to be effective is another way of putting it. MetCredit has thrown an example out. They created a business recovery guide, and uh, that covers several areas like business and, uh, you know, the, obviously uh, trying to uh, get their AR under control. Uh, it's strategies mm -hmm. to a better business. But what they have done over the last three or four years through the pandemic is find ways of taking their message and reinventing it. That's one of the reasons why we do this podcast. You've got to be hearing the same thing from CEOs out there. It's all about just finding a new way of getting the message out. It is. I, I tend to not say new. I tend to say evolve. Okay. Because, and, and again, I, I understand your concept. For me, it's evolution. If you don't evolve, you die. And you evolve to the conditions. And you're a great demonstration of that. At the source of who you are, you are a media man. You've just evolved in a way that goes with the flow of the river. Okay, it's a little bit faster, so I have to slow it down, keep my feet up so I don't hit rocks. Oh, it's flat. Well, I can go in a crawl position and I can swim a little bit faster this way. You've evolved your methodology, but deep down inside, you bring your craft and you've adjusted what you do to make sure that it meets the market demand. That's evolving, right? You and I grew up where there's no iPads. There's, you know, it's printed media. You, everybody got a newspaper. There is a newspaper route. But look at kids now. If you look at how things have evolved, I mean, kids don't get a paper route anymore. No. How do they? They don't. No. They don't because it's not, it's not in demand. I anymore, had to explain right? what whiteout was the other day. <laughs> that's, how, that's how crazy the world has become. Tick, 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 tick. Oh, my goodness gracious. But that's the, the, I bring it back to the evolution of the craft. When you look at uh, samurais who've made the swords forever, the craft has died to now there's only like one or two true katana makers in Japan because there's no demand for it. Right. Right. So if you don't evolve your methodology, now if zombies attack and all of a sudden you have to chop heads off with <laughs> Samurai's like, too bad if you didn't buy one. But uh, <laughs> missed out on that one. <laughs> but you get, I think people get my point is yeah. to make sure that um, knowledge, knowing of something and no knowledge through experience is two different things. And I, that's the outsourcing that I think is very critical is to say, well, I can read about it. And a lot of younger CEOs think that I'll go on YouTube. I'll go on, on the internet. I'll find out ways to do it. But who really has the experience of the organization that does it day in, day out, that knows how to talk to people, the recovery, the return on investment is so much bigger. Tell us a little bit about your podcast and it is entitled what CEOs talk about. How long have you been doing this? Oh, Jimmy crickets. Uh, has it not, like a year and a half now? Uh, Started it in the pandemic right. because I wasn't out and about anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, how do I talk to people? And I was interviewed in a podcast and uh, they said, well, why don't you start yours? And in line with 
my dyslexia, people have been asking me to write a book. And this guy said, Hey, listen, just record a whole bunch of podcasts, pull the information out from the book, and then you'll have a book. But it became more than that. It became very um, fulfilling for me to, to be able to, if it wasn't for my podcast, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I wouldn't be talking to somebody from Europe. I wouldn't be talking from somebody from Florida in Florida. I think that we had forgotten pre-pandemic the value of relationship, regardless if it's through Zoom, Facebook, Skype, and the value of actually meeting people. I've built relationship over Zoom that I know their family. And when I actually met Matt face-to-face, it was emotional. And I think we've lost that, the true connection of why do we do all of this is to be close to people, is to add value, to be able to engage um, Bryn was telling before the story, before the episode was telling me about this amazing journey that he went through. And if, if it wasn't for the podcast, I wouldn't hear people's journey and be able to, uh, provide. And we, the reason why what CEOs talk about is because people think that CEOs live behind closed doors and it's important to demonstrate that CEOs are human beings, that we are troubled, that we actually care about the people that we uh, you know, there's a negative connotation against a chief executive officer. Yes, some people get big paychecks, but let's not generalize. Uh, and then the journeys, if somebody listens to the podcast and one person can learn from somebody else's journey or one of the tools that I provide on the show to, to address that, then I think that's a good way to contribute to the world, in my opinion. You use the word relationship and, you know, having done this podcast for quite a while now, the one thing I keep hearing from the people who work at MedCredit is that they like developing a relationship with the people that they're approaching and that's to collect, but they're, they're finding ways and they're listening to the person they're talking to trying to build a relationship because it's a team effort. It's not simply just trying to get as much cash as you can from that person. You have to work with people. You have to be listening to people and to evolve and to build a relationship. It's just huge, right? Uh, people don't like to have debt. They don't. Right. They just, they don't. And if you come in a position of assistant and help and say, how can I help you? And I know I've used MedCredit to do collections for us, for our company. Um, and well, not, but one of the other companies that I owned. Um, and that was the key thing is, Hey, listen, let me talk to the individual. At first it was very much, I don't want to talk to you. Shut up. You know, anything that has to do with Martin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then finally the, uh, the representative that we had from met credit got through to the individual and said, listen, all Martin wants is for you to give him a fair deal. You broke the contract. Here's the deal. You broke the contract. You only owed him, I think, it is something like seven thousand dollars, eight thousand dollars. It wasn't. It wasn't crazy, right? And but because he broke the contract, I got upset and I said, "Hey, listen, you broke the contract. There's a six months close. You owe me seventy thousand dollars. So either you give me seventy thousand dollars, and and so I was. I have to admit, I wasn't listening so much back then. <laughs> listening once again, I'm very not, important. I'm not perfect. I I looked for it. He was close minded. 
And then I became very, I shouldn't say aggressive, but defensive in my position. And then what the med credit agent did was really bring us in a position of, hey, listen, Martin just wants seven. Give him the money that you actually owe him. I didn't want more money than what he owed me, but because he broken the rules and it just shows I, I am a professional CEO. I do this for a living and I screwed up. And so once I handed that over to a craftsman, that person knew what to say, when to say it in the right tone and all that, all those great behaviors yeah. to be able to leverage the money that I received and collected. Fantastic stuff. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, Martin at Urgio.com or on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is the best. Okay. So, and you'll see my big grub. I got a rugby ball and, uh, you can't, you can't miss the beard in that. Living life. Urgeo, by the way, U-R-G-E-O.com, correct? Correct. We don't say geography. We say geography. So Urgeo. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> hey, thanks for your time. This has been fantastic. Thank you very much for having me on the show. That's it for today's episode of Overdue Advice. A big thank you to Martin Hunter for sharing his insight on today's podcast. Hey, it's easy to find us online. MedCredit is on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, at MedCredit. You can also check out Brian Sommerfeld's blog. That's easy to find, too. It's blog.medcredit.com. And don't forget, the website also includes numerous helpful tools and calculators to help you assess your business debt risk. We'd also love to hear from you, so subscribe, like, or leave us a review on this or any of our podcasts. And make sure you share this podcast with your friends or business associates. You can drop us a line at Overdue Advice at MedCredit.com. Overdue Advice, the podcast about cash flow strategies to grow your business. I'm Brent Griffiths. You run a business, you're successful. You don't wait for things to happen. You make them happen. So why aren't you collecting what's owed to you? The longer you wait, the less chance you'll ever see a cent. So call Met Credit. We're your local debt recovery team, serving businesses of all sizes since 1973. And don't worry, we play nice. We're here to uphold your reputation and relationships. And speaking of nice, if we don't collect, you don't pay. Zero risk. Get to know us for when you need us at metcredit.com.